1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome again to uh, my blog talk podcast on um, with, with Dor- Dorothy Carruthers. uh This week, we're t- uh, the blog talk is called Heavenly Places, and this week we're going to continue going through the book Manifest Destiny: The Path Towards Wisdom. And we're uh, this last chapter was kind of large, um, so we broke it down into two parts. And this part, we're going to finishing up on knowing your identity and last week of course we talked about Jeremiah and Moses where a few of the uh, individuals who are trying to discover and as the Holy Spirit and our Father was leading them to their uh, identity and their purpose <clears throat> so I hope you were, you were able to get, get something out of that if you weren't it's still available on SoundCloud and Vivo and YouTube um, and a few other places, also on my, on my webpage, uh, uh, org. J-A-M-E-R-E dot O-R-G. So uh, let us go to uh, our Father in prayer um, to open our hearts. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word and promises. We thank you for your provision, O oh, Father. Father, open our hearts to understanding, O oh, Father, even my heart, O oh, Father, and the listener's heart. Um, so that uh, we can use all this information, this revelation as guidance and direction and so that we can make a a big impact, oh, God, for your kingdom and those around us, our friends, our family, our loved ones, our neighbors, our coworkers, uh, individuals we run into at the grocery store, Father, Lord. um, Just that your power be demonstrated through our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen okay so let's get started and the first scripture i actually want to come from is uh matthew chapter 6 verse 10 is and this is a very familiar scripture thy kingdom come thy will be done and earth as it is in heaven so that is matthew 6 verse 10 um if we if we um ever want to want to uh manifest uh, the kingdom of heaven on earth we have to kind of reflect on this scripture. It says, I kingdom come, and I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And um, that right there is where we bring in the presence of our Father and his glory and all that comes with him. And we're actually bringing heaven to earth. <laughs> so we're trying to get the earth in shape. We're trying to uh, get in, get it into order and how it's supposed to be. So um, even in even in uh, Revelation chapter twenty verse twenty one verse ten, we see the same concept, and it says, uh, "And he carried me away, and it's to a mountain great and high." And this is John talking in Revelation twenty one ten, and he showed me the holy city of Jerusalem. And look where it's coming. It's coming down out of heaven from our Father, and it's coming towards the earth. So. This is uh, what our Father, he He always wants to manifest his presence here on the earth. Um, but we're the ones who are kind of the, the forerunners, you know. And uh, actually, um, we're kind of like uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he prepared the way for the first coming, as we all know. He, and uh, we are preparing the way for the next coming. And since that is the case, that is the reason we must work in the spiritual authority that our Father has given us And we can only do that by um, Constantly staying in his word and, re- and reminding ourselves Meditating on the scriptures And one scripture uh, that speaks about our authority Is that Luke chapter 10 verse 19 This is one of my favorite scriptures it's, uh, and Jesus says I have given you authority To trample on snakes and scorpions And overcome all the power of the enemy And nothing will harm you so this this is authority that our father jesus he's call, calling us to walk into the trample on snakes and scorpions. that's the kingdom of darkness and no matter what uh works that he's working against us, whether it be in finances health relationship um the government um the health care system, whatever it is, this is nothing even in the environment that's going wacky right now this has nothing. Well harm us, but we have the, the practice authority you know, and we can learn to operate in his authority of course by examining um
0: the word, but also
1: we can look at uh, worldly worldly figures or people um like uh here in the United States, we have police officers, governors, presidents, and even when we're in kindergarten we have teachers so these are all figures of authority and they have they all have their uh own domain, um, even children, children, and their domain. They have a positional authority. Uh, when I was when I was a child, I had authority over my bedroom. <laughs> so my parents, he, my parents, they gave me this position, of course, because they were paying for the house. But they said, "This is your room, and you keep it clean." So it was their house, but it was their room actually too. But for a for time it was my room and they actually gave me guidelines and rules and I attempted or I tried to follow the rules as the best of my ability even though it was dirty from time to time. Um, those rules, you know, of course, with, with some of the rules I'll give you an example. Some of the rules are keeping the room clean, I putting holes in the wall. Um, you know, those are uh, common everyday rules, but sometimes we have uh, where chaos just seems to happen. Um, where everything just gets into disorder. You have clothes on the floor. Um, you have friends coming over, and sometimes it's good night, and then sometimes accidentally, you have pancakes on the floor and syrup and all kind of things just be- because of just because, <laughs> you know, so, um, anyway, I, any, all that stuff that was happening in my room, it wasn't any of my parents fault that it, that, uh, that it become messy because they had actually given me, uh, responsibility <laughs> to take care of it, you know, and our father, you know, he does that to us in the same way with the earth. Um, we know that the earth and everything in it belongs to our Father. Uh, from the scripture, Psalms 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So everything on this earth is uh, basically belongs to our Father. It's, it's his, you know. Um, however, there's another scripture in Psalms, chapter 115, verse 16, it says, the highest heavens belongs to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. So this uh, Psalms one it says that the earth is the Lord's, but Psalms 115, it says, well, it belongs to man. So who does it belong to? Is it, is it, is it our fathers in heaven, according to Psalms 24, or is it ours, according to Psalms 115? It sounds like that can be like a, a, a contradiction. But the earth, if we look at our house, the house and the bedroom example that I gave you earlier, the earth, in a sense, is our bedroom, okay? It's our responsibility to keep it clean. That's why we have uh, recycling and trash trash and things like that. That's the uh, natural but also we have the government uh, to keep it clean from, from moral, moral, be- I mean, false behavior or negative behavior, Um uh, uh, and keep enemies of the countries from invading it. Um, so we have a dominion over the earth. Actually, another scripture is uh, Genesis one verse twenty six, and our Father He said, "Let us make mankind in our own image." And they all know this one: make make mankind in our own image and likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move on the ground. And some verses, translation said, the creeping things. So Genesis 1, verse 26, it says that that we're supposed to have dominion over this. Um, So it's it's, uh, our Father, he's uh, calling us to this great position of authority and power Over authority over natural things and spiritual things as it relates to this earth. Um, Another way that we can get a perhaps a better understanding of our authority is when compared to our enemy, Satan. Um, We all know that Satan as a creature, a a creature. He was. uh, I'm trying to say two words at one time. He is a creature. Meaning that he was created while our father. So there is really no comparison between the two. Sometimes you look, uh on social media, you see a picture of uh, Jesus and uh, Satan on wrestling. That's really not really a fair comparison or depiction of what's going on because
0: <laughs> because uh,
1: our father's arms is, is so much bigger and greater, you know, but that's, that's another story. But uh, however... Um, so we have Satan and we were talking about the Father. However, what about us? Um, are we in the same boat as Satan, you know? Are we as, are, and that's our relationship to the Father, you know? We basically, we are. But what about our relationship to uh, Satan our enemy? He's a very, very powerful figure and he should not be taken uh, for granted. Um, because he's uh, very clever, wise, intelligent. He's a slick girl, very slick. Uh, If you look at Psalms, I want you to look at Psalms, chapter 8, which was written, they believe, uh, the theologians say, by David. And he wrote this Psalm, and he was basically talking about how great the universe was that our Father created. And then he begins... To stop talking about the universe, and he begins his focus on man. And this scripture right here is uh, a very actually debated scripture as far as interpretation. But let me read it to you. It's a uh, Psalms chapter eight verse five. It says, "You have made talking about man, you have made them a little lower than the angels, and crowned them with glory and honor." When you look at the. Uh, English version of this, everything. Oh, okay, yeah, that that, that that's fine, you know. But um, if you uh, actually look at it, as the scripture was written in Hebrew, that word "angel" is actually the word "elohim," and that's so uh, you have made them a little lower than angels. Instead, is not angels, but actually elohim. We know elohim is um, a name it's like God, not Father not our father, the father God, there's no one compared, nothing in comparison to him, you know, but it says that he made us a little lower than Elohim. Uh, Satan was a uh, angel. So, um, but, so we we were made a little lower than Satan. We were actually made a little lower than Elohim. So uh, we know the angels are far below so they are beautiful and magnificent and powerful creatures, are far below our creator, or father. You know. So this right here, what I'm trying to get you to see is there is a different perspective excuse me, different perspective of our authority. So you kind of like, look at, kind of like put that a, a diagram, according to the biblical hierarchy, and this is kind of like a. Um, it's like kind of like a frame because it, it can actually be more detailed. but we have our father who is overall the, the father consisting of also uh, Jesus and the uh, Holy Spirit above all, not, nothing more powerful than him, you know. Um, but then the next in authority, according to scripture, is actually as far as authority, is us. Because uh Psalms eight says, he is made us a little lower, not than angels, but Elohim. And then we have, uh, after that, we have the, the kingdom of darkness, which, is, which includes Satan, you know, but it's, it's kind of like, a, um, when you kind of think about it, like he's got a lot of power because he's running governments and all kinds of things. So how can he have more authority than us, you know? So, and basically what does this, this mean, you know, um, um, Hebrews, another scripture. Hebrews one four, uh, it talks about a little bit about the role of angels. Hebrews one four says not are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. And we know that we are the ones who are inheriting salvation, so that the angels, you know, they are sent here to minister to to us, and not that we're uh, commanding angels. The angels already have their assignment they're working in accord with our father in heaven but we work in accord we kind of work together as a team as we crush the kingdom of darkness um but one thing about our ourselves and especially i want to focus right now on the enemy satan he has power you know but he can only have he can only move in authority when we yield to him um, I'll give you an example from when I was in the school when i'm when I'm trying to say with this um but uh I was uh, on the uh the school safety patrol, so we would kinda like guard the doors like in the morning and even um make sure all the other kids was on the, in check, you know like okay, they're standing in the line waiting to go to school, so we're kinda going up and down the line making sure no one comes in. Too early and too late to kind of help the uh, teachers with the crowd control, you know. Um, so we would do this every morning, and uh, and once on a few occasions, you know, we actually had a problem because we had some students who were banned from the school, but they actually kept on getting into the building, and it was wrecking all kind of havoc. I mean. Deal, doing some illegal things, you know, but uh so we the the administration and it, they were trying to out, okay, how are these uh students how are they getting into the school and they discovered it was actually one of the uh the school safety officers uh, one of the people who who were one of the students letting the other students in so they can uh wreak havoc within the school, you know and and this is exactly how the enemy, he functions, you know, because the kids, they will leave in, the doors open so they can come in. And, uh, actually that's, um, uh, what the enemy does. He wants to sneak in through the back door. He wants the door to be open so that, uh, he can come in and wreak, wreak havoc in your life. Um, actually a, a couple, two or three weeks ago, I had a dream and, um, I was in a house, not my house, but I was in someone's house. And anyway, there was a draft coming in. I was trying to figure out where, where it was going. Anyway, I found a draft where it was coming in, and uh, and it was a door and a door frame. It was completely removed. So I was trying to fix it. And then this other boy who was in the dream with me, he said, this man's been coming into the door. And he's been like coming back and forth freely as he pleases, and he's been going down into the basement. So I went down to, to go confront this guy <laughs> and uh, to say, hey, why are you coming into this house? And this guy was a big, big guy, and uh, much bigger than me. And I, so I was kind of in my dream, this is my dream, I was kind of scared of him. So I was trying to like negotiate him to get move out of the house. Or get out the house and don't come back or whatever. But then I immediately yeah, I woke up and I heard the Holy Spirit say, uh, do not compromise. And uh sometimes we in our lives we have uh things that are open doors that uh, the enemy can come in and he can uh, wreak havoc in our lives if we're not practicing authority. Um and there's there's many type of doors that the enemy can keep get in, um, if we're we're involved in type type of sins or somebody else's in the, connected to us involved in some type of sin, um or generational things. All there's all type of ways. Any way he can find a way, he's gonna find a way to get in. Um but let let's get back to this authority thing. Um uh Matthew uh sixteen verse twenty three we see um actually this is a, a little bit of the door coming in and um Matthew sixteen verse twenty three Jesus turned to Peter, and y'all know this one, what he's going to say. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So here we see that the enemy actually came in a door and he was using Peter. You know, but that was the plan of the enemy. Um, even even Satan, he. he he's going to do this through the antichrist in the last days, uh, uh, second Thessalonians chapter two, verse eight, it says, and then the law one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. So we, uh, can learn from this, uh, Matthew 16, verse 23, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. And this 2, verse 8, it just actually shows the authority. It says, Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. All well, he going to do is just say something. And that's all we have to do, actually, too. But it says, Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. That's powerful. Just like when he spoke to the wind, he said, peace be still. Um, but um, this uh, authority thing, Satan, that we actually have uh, more, even though despite how powerful he is, we actually have more um, authority than he does, even though he's wreaking havoc and and doing whatever he wants to do. Actually, I I, uh, was listening to one time a testimony, and it was actually a source where a lady was talking about they could control the weather. And uh, they were talking about how they were causing the temperature to drop and even to the brink of like where it was cold, dark, and rainy. And of course, even though the uh, sorcerer, they would say they wouldn't want to do it, but we know behind the scenes that the, the wicked spirits are manipulating things in the background and, and making it appear. Even though the man is doing it, he, he's only doing it through the uh, power of the dark forces but uh they can't do it on their own. They need the authority of a man. Whether well, it's a, a man of, of, of dark, a dark sorcerer in this case, um, so that the dark spirits can move and have the way and operate in this world. So a person needs to yield their authority over to these spirits for things like this to happen. And this is uh, even one of the reasons why Jesus was sent to the earth in the form of a man. He became a man to meet our Father's demand for an acceptable sacrifice for sin. Um, John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, so when this was happened, actually, cross, and then he was buried, and then he, of course, went to the to the claim victory in the abyss, and he rose again with all power. He he, he saw the keys of death held in the grave. What uh, Jesus was doing, he was taking the authority that Adam gave to Satan. So actually, went in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter one verse twenty six, Adam had authority over this earth. But then, when they yielded at the tree, uh, Satan came in and he had authority. That's why Satan was able when he was tempting Jesus, able to say, um, "All these kingdoms I will give you." Well, how could Satan have the kingdoms if it belonged to Adam or our father? Well, that's because our father gave it to Adam. Which was temporary, and then Adam gave it to uh, Satan, which is temporary,
0: and as Satan was
1: trying to offer him to Jesus, but Jesus, he don't, he don't need that because he have a kingdom not of this world and is coming to this world. So, so we have Jesus in this John chapter one verse twenty nine, and after death, burial, and resurrection, he became what we call what uh, the scriptures says that he was. Uh, I uh, is a God and a man all together. And I don't un- understand all the technical aspects of it. There's many teachings on that. But uh, I wanted to give you the scripture, uh, Matthew 4, verse 9. I'm sorry that I mentioned that one. That's that uh, Satan was talking about. I will give you the kingdoms of the world if you bow down to me. That's uh Matthew chapter 4, verse 9. So but we must remember in all this, our father is sovereign, and he's in total control. So our father, he he's never out of control, and he owns the deed to the land, the earth, the earth and the heaven, and all this kind of thing. But, uh, of course, we know that Psalms chapter 50, verse 10. Uh, every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. So that's basically saying, hey, I own it all. However, he has given us authority. Um, let's talk about Jesus as our father. And whenever we yield to Satan, we allow him to rule, whether it be a whole planet, whether it be our house, whether it be our job or whatever it may be, um, we allow him to rule. But there is something that our father, that he gives us as sons and daughters that, um, uh, you know what, that even for us, um, being in this side of eternity is, uh, Hard for us to understand. Uh, First Corinthians chapter two verse nine says that however it is written, that uh, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has conceived the things that our Father has prepared for uh, those who love Him. Uh, the only thing we can know is, is this: is something good, or something great. You know that He that He has, and we have yet to tap into what our father desires to do through us. I mean, this is talking about things, not just in heaven. I mean, we know we have mansions, but we don't know what the kind, what kind it is. And we know, I mean, about the singing flowers and things like that we probably done heard on different testimonies, but there's things even now that we can tap into that we, that we don't even know. We don't even understand it. And, the things right now that we can tap into, it's just minute in comparison to what's next. Um, So that's one way that we can uh, be encouraged, you know. So, so far, what we talked about, we connected our identity with our future when we were uh, talking about the uh, millennium reign. And we also talked about our identity when we uh, think about our past, when we were talking about uh, Gideon Moses, uh, and Jeremiah, you know, so we talked about the, uh, what the future and the past. What did I leave out now? So the present, so we haven't talked about the present yet. Um, so what is our identity now? Speaking of as the church, you know, uh, I, uh, as I was meditating on that and thinking about that when I was, uh, writing the, uh, book, I, um, Thought about one of the uh, great—I'm not sure. I guess he was a priest or um, a minister, but Martin Luther. Um, Martin Luther, you remember what he was famous for? Um, He actually wrote the uh, 95 Theses, and he put them on the wall, um, and. He, were, he was basically talking about things that that wasn't right that was going on in the church, you know, and he kind of really didn't want to do that, but he ended up doing it and pinning it on a wall, and it caused all types of controversy, which led to our uh, reformation, a uh, change in the church. And now, now we have the uh, the Holy Roman Catholic Church, but then we also have now Protestant churches, and we have many different den- denominations. Under the Protestant church we have uh like the Baptist, I mean it's too many today non denominational four square church, it's first assembly Methodist. Um, you know all but uh but of course, we had the, the the Reformation, but um.
0: You're starting to hello? break up in there. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hello. But it, you seem to have come back. It just like you went. It was dead for like 30 seconds.
1: Oh no. Okay. Let's see. So we're um. But Martin Luther, do you hear The what Reformation I said? I said and the large
0: denomination.
1: Yeah. Yes, okay, okay. So and that happened in 1517. Um, and Luther, he formed, uh, I guess, a Protestant church in Germany. He was challenging, eventually, he started challenging the Pope in Rome. And it was one of many issues that was going on with the Catholic Church. Uh, one of the things, one of the main things was making a Pope in higher authority than the written word of our father. You know, that was one of the things that Martin Luther was just like, no and there was other things that were going on also, um, during that that, that caused them to write that. Uh just imagine him, just imagine being in his shoes trying to write that because he he really wanted to serve our father with the best he can. And he did he wouldn't want to division or chaos or people to die or because of this. He wanted—he just wanted people to draw closer to the Father. That was the whole point and purpose of it. But what ended up happening was uh, division and uh, chaos began to happen. Now, we, uh, we're more than 500 years, I guess, from that 1517, more than 500 years since that event. And me, myself, I personally believe that our Father Um, he has been now because I'm I'm living right now but he's calling people out of traditions a man you know um, even Martin Luther I believe he just uh, made a crack in the door but I believe he's he's calling us to take it further and it's not, not, not anything new that the scripture is saying but it's something that's always there but we're just now noticing it we're just now seeing it and I believe if, if we heed to to this call, this voice to take action, um, two as uh, believers, we're going to face division. We're going to face chaos and from within uh, the body of Christ. And, and um, maybe it may mean death, you know, not probably not physical death, but maybe some type of death within uh, relationships or even a death to self. It's the battle that's basically on many fronts. And basically it's the flesh flesh versus the spirit. It could be family versus friends. It could be tradition versus manifesting your destiny. Um, and from appearance, you know, you look at it on the outside and it's like, okay, we're fighting against these dominations or traditions. But really it's not that those are the things that the outside. What we're doing, really focusing on is the spirit of the matter. Which our father is calling us to, you know. And actually, that's, that is uh, actually the definition of the church when you look at the uh, Greek word ecclesia, E K K I E, I'm sorry, E K K L E S I A. Um, you know what that word means in uh, Greek? It means uh, called out ones. It refers to the people, not to four walls or not to a building, though there's nothing really wrong with that. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to tell you to stop attending a building. Um, that's not what this is about. But my desire is that, that you will understand who you are apart from a building. The Holy the Holy Spirit and our Father, he just doesn't move in that place. Actually, he wants to be called out of that place end of that place, too, but he wants to expand his territory um but because of how we view church, you know there are certain things that we won't do inside the building just because we're trying to reverence the building or reverence our father and we, some of us we won't say certain things or certain, some of us we will address certain ways or some of us will even walk a certain way um And people practice such rituals only because of their physical location, where they are physically. However, once they are outside of the building, almost anything goes. (laughs) They can be doing all kinds of things. But my purpose is, the saying this is not to judge people, but it's only to reveal. Um, When you behave in this manner, and I'm not just talking to you, even myself, you know, when... Or anyone when we behave these manners we are only devaluing ourselves you know uh this is not what your king your father desires from you his his the, the king that he's trying to raise up within you the priest the royal priesthood um he is more concerned about you than a physical location um what convicts you basically what I'm trying to say is what convicts you inside of a building should also convict you in a club or a bathroom or your workplace or wherever you may dwell or be at and this is just one of the many issues that the church is facing today, and we know that the church has a whole list of other problems um <laughs> Uh, the church actually the uh, revelation is eighteen four is saying basically the church, the church, not the world, but the church is in a place overall, most of us is in a place where we should not be at. And again, not talking about physically but spiritually. Revelation eighteen four says, then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins so that he will not receive any of her plagues for her sins are piled up to heaven. And our father has remembered her crimes. So we have the majority of the church, I believe they is in a dry dead place and it might be big and prospering on the outside, but it's, or it might be small, a little corner, but it's in a dry dead place. Um, I, I like to visit, that's when, uh, whenever I'm traveling out of town, I, I, I visit different churches, different denominations, because I like to learn. Back then, I watched the Acts of the Church. No, so every church is not in this, man. Every church is not dead, but I see the youth playing on their phones, and I see adults struggling to stay awoke. Not at every church, but these are some churches. And then I Others, I, I see them like, okay, look at that. Watch, thing. when is this going to be over? And these are just signs of just how irrelevant the church is becoming to many. And a good portion of the present church, you know, is spiritually, we are spiritually deficient. And I'm just talking about here in the United States of America because I haven't really been to any other places. Uh, this is just from my, my own observation. You might not have uh, seen these, you know. But I've got to wonder, how can this be, you know, because when you look at all the, the stats and numbers, it says Christianity, you know what it says? Uh, it says, uh, when I was reading it or studying this, it 2 billion members. 2 billion members in the uh, Christianity can claim to be Christians out of, I think it's 7 or 8 billion people in the world. So 2 billion people are, are saying or are professing Christianity, so, in terms of population, that ranks at number one among the world religions um and they say that number should continue to grow but so that right there it's not that's not when you look at those numbers it's that's not, not signs of a spiritually deficient church but uh if you begin to really examine and look at those numbers, there is a, a significant number of spiritually deceived and deficient believers. And particularly, I want to say in in a Western society, you know, only because that's the part of the world I lived in. But this my fear that many who profess to be believers are only members of a building, and even worse, many leaders of the church are leading them down a road to destruction. And this is actually what uh, Jesus said in Matthew seven verse twenty two. Many will say to that day, "Oh, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and perform miracles in your name? And this is this is just uh, my own personal opinion or theory, but I I believe that uh the great you know, as people talk about this it's gonna be a great fall in the way. Well I believe me personally, I just believe it happened many, many centuries ago, and it's continuing to go even during this day that the great falling away. actually, we're seeing the effects of it and, and it's still happening um but I know some people they believe the great falling away is something that happens in the future um, but uh the and the revelations revelations uh actually. Uh, let me go take a sidestep real quick. Um, I, also, another thing that I believe, because the reason why I said that is, you know, I want to explain this a little bit. But um, I believe that like um, a significant or a portion of revelation is uh, occurring even before our eyes. Um, just an example of Revelation eight eleven. It it uh, it says, I'll read it to you. The name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that have become bitter. Now, that word, the word is Wormwood, and this this is a scripture of Revelations. But if you look at that word Wormwood, actually, if you look at history, in 1986, you know um, the greatest nuclear accident occurred at a nuclear power plant. Name Chernobyl. um, But if that word Chernobyl, guess what? It can be translated to wormwood. And like when something explodes, it looks like a star, you know. So the name of the star is wormwood. Revelation eight eleven, and it says. But anyway, this says they uh, from the studies. It says that this explosion released ten times the amount of radioactive substance that was released by the bombing of the Hiroshima in World War Two. So it means a radiation and it I believe it soon affected the water supply. That's why I believe many people right now that the cancer is increasing because there's a lot of things in the atmosphere and part of it is because of this wormwood star and uh 8 eight eleven. And um there's there's some more specific things that that I can go into but that's not what I'm talking talking about or focus. But one of one of the uh, the great teachers, I believe, who uh, is really good on that, is uh, uh, Brother Irvin Baxter. Um, and he got this teaching called "Understanding the End Times." Some of y'all might have heard before. And you might not agree with everything, but I, I just challenge you to listen to it and just just kind of get an understanding of it. You know, because everything might he might say might might not be accurate, but it, it is. It is. I believe it's. I believe he is kind of accurate on that. But I want to focus on the, uh, the great of um, and me myself, I think the great apostasy happened, happened again, talking about the great falling away, happened in, uh, around the year 300 A.D. Because this is around a time where we see Christianity become organized and established. Um, and since I believe that was a re- revival of the Pharisees and Sadducees, like many, even like many, if, if you look and examine at the uh, – the Christian holidays, how they how they are sorted and designed, like Christmas and Easter. If you go into the study of that, uh, actually, uh, pagan holidays. Though, though I celebrate Christmas because I believe whenever the world wants to wants to glorify the birth of Christ, you know that's a good time to, to spread the gospel. But at the root of them is is something very evil and wicked. If you actually, but um. Uh, Christianity became very legalized under Constantine, and they said he had a vision of a cross before a battle, and did, and he believed that's what led him to be victorious, and that's why he uh, legalized Christianity. Now, I don't know what his intention or motive was as he legalized Christianity. Maybe he was really sincere. So he took about to a lot of the many believers and also many truths. You know what the civilization a lot of Christians you know, don't you know he was persecuted, and I'm not saying that uh these Christians they persecuted they they had the whole truth um because there was a whole lot of other things going on back then also when I say what I'm saying is uh Of course, first I don't know everything First Corinthians 13, nine says that we don't part of prophesying part. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, but I believe this, the whole thing could have been dealt with differently. But right now, we're in a dip, dispensation where the person of our father is to show love and not destroy. Uh, Luke 9, chapter 54 says, when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them um because uh they was thinking about the Old testament how that's what the uh what some of the prophets <clears throat> but um jesus he he did he didn't want that to happen, and i'm 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 pretty sure he could have did that, but um uh, our focus right now is to bring truth and revelation and not to hide it. Um, John chapter 1 verse 17 for the law given through Moses but grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ so that's grace and truth you know we're doing this through love so we're, we're not trying to destroy people you know though a time like that may come not for us to do that but right now we're just supposed to bring love Love, 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 just love them all no matter what the situation or circumstance is, no matter what they want to identify or call themselves, you know. Even our, our, our brothers and sisters whoever it is, you know. Um, but I, the spiritual eclipse of the truth, you know, I think was only the the inception of the great apostasy, apostasy it's, uh, talking about the year 300 A.D., and Maybe this is why historians refer to this time frame as, you know, it's also referred to as the Dark Ages, though I believe they don't even really understand why they call it that. I guess they do kind of understand because of the technology and all the kind of things and uh, the learning. But uh, what I found ironic is that around the same time it was called the Dark Ages, Christianity became legalized in Rome. And it is often taught that the uh, great apostasy, you know, is something reserved for the last days, you know. But, again, I I explained that earlier. But I believe something something right now is happening, you know. I believe something is happening, Uh, sort of like with Acts 2, where Peter was saying that that the – excuse me, I lost my thoughts. Okay, Uh, Acts 2. Actually, I have a question for you. When when did the last days begin? Are we in the last – many of us believe we're in the last days, but when did they start? Did they start in uh, um, 1980? Did they start in 1990? Or did they start in 2012 or 2011? When did they start? Well, Peter actually tells us when – gives us a little uh, answer in Acts chapter 2. Peter says that – he was living during the last days. <laughs> Peter says in Acts 2 way back then that the last days was already going on, and that was 2,000 years ago. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So this is also confirmed through our Father, that he spoke through Jesus in what time? The last days. And I believe the birth of Jesus, this is me personally, I believe the birth of Jesus marked the beginning of the last days, you know. And since that time much has occurred, I mean we have nations rising to fall wars, famines, uh, more deception. We have darkness as it attempts to make his ultimate eclipse in preparation for the coronation of the great deceiver. Uh we you know second Thessalonians 2 verse, verse says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. <clears throat> However, he and those who are intentionally, indignantly aligned themselves with him, guess what they're going to face? Certain doom. Whoever aligns itself with the deceiver, that's why it's important for us to be called out of this darkness. And we each individually, each as individually, you know, we must judge our own heart and determine our spiritual position, and we are to escape such a, a great place. And we need to do this every day, every moment, every second. We we cannot give the enemy a place, a foothold. So let us, let us judge our heart. Let us guard our hearts, you know. We know we turn our nose, we see the darkness. Some of us walk out our front doors, we see the darkness. We get phone calls about darkness. But in all of this, a remnant of our father's people remains. And I believe with each passing generation, you know, our destiny only unleashes unleashes itself in greater measures, you know, And group, you know, though it's small in number, I believe it will spearhead one of the greatest harvests foretold by Jesus, you know. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 14 says, And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And we know this is already happening now. Um, And that we, they, the people who are doing this, they would use. The weapon, the greatest weapon of all, we know what that word is—love. And love, they're gonna use love to penetrate those with hardened hearts. And guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna perform great exploits. Um, in Daniel chapter eleven, verse thirty-two, it says with flattery, talking about the Antichrist, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. But um, the people who know their God, the people who know their Father will be strong and carry out great exploits. So many will be presented with the decision of eternity. Uh, what's at stake is more than heaven or hell, you know. Will you embrace the ever-loving creator, or will you ignore such a greater salvation as it talks about in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3? <clears throat> and this choice, you know, the enemy, he's not going to make it easy for anyone. Um, it's gonna even our, ourselves. He's gonna challenge us on issues, you know. He's gonna challenge our beliefs, uh, our traditions. Um, many today, you know, are persecuted. If you look out, they have an area that's called the 1040 window, where people are persecuted for this very fact because they won't compromise. So they're gonna be killed and tortured by their own friends and family. The, per- the persecution—they already having great tribulation in some countries. I know that I know there's a time where there's going to be great tribulation, but some people are being burned. I mean, bombs are being placed in churches, all kind of things, because they're trying to get these people to renounce our Father. We just, we here in America, you know, we just haven't experienced experienced it yet, you know. <clears throat> um, but these people, they're, they're doing some great things for the Father over there in these remote places. But even even in all the midst of that, um, with all this darkness going on, um, I hear testimonies about great signs and wonders that's occurring in these places. And the rest of the world, I mean, hear about the dead being raised, eyes being opened, limbs growing, back, cancer being healed, um even angels showing up as an army coming against the people and having a, having a man go the other way they was trying to pursue them. Um, our Father, you know, he has assembled the host of heavens to fight with us, and we got to we got to come in agreement with that realm because he's trying to raise us up to that. And he has um, angels, the host of heaven, called and appointed just for this time, you know, So we're we're in a very important time in uh, these end times, these last days in Bible prophecy. And even at this very moment, you know, I believe our Father is calling us, you know, out of the traditions of men. And he's he's wanting us to have true communion with him. And he's waiting for us, like I talked about earlier, like Moses, Jeremiah, and Gideon, um, to walk in a higher realm. And he's yearning for this, you know. He's yearning for the church to take this step. You know, it starts with individuals but it's also group. And once we walk through this uh, particular calling that he's calling us to, um, through this p- particular spiritual door, I believe powerful things powerful things are happening then well, even more powerful things are gonna be happening, you know. Uh this is something powerful, you know what I believe is gonna make the, the day of Pentecost look like child's play. <laughs> you know, Peter was walking through with his shadow was healing things. And he called some blankets was healing, you know. Um, I believe when the Father has planned, you know, a lot of times people think during the end times of last days that we're going to be um, running for our lives, and that might be the case. But I believe in the midst of the running, we're going to see some very powerful, mighty things going on. I believe in some places, the enemy will be running away from us. Actually, uh, in Haggai chapter uh, 2, verse 9, it says, The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord. In this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. So it is essential that we discover again this door, this spiritual door that we must walk through. The, the one that I talked about that Martin Luther cracked it. He cracked it during the uh, Reformation when he pinned that 95 theses. It's, I mean, it's opening more wider now because we have other people who have won before us, like um, uh, Smith Wigglesworth and Billy Graham and and um, the guy from Azusa Street, I can't him, William J Seymour, but those people, they're they're gone. There's a the great cloud of witnesses down and they rooted us on. And it's our time. Uh, our Father, I believe, in these times, He's not just waiting. Or just certain individuals that we see on television just that do that. He's calling every single person. This, it's like calling all, calling all. Truth, calling all arms. He wants everyone from from the babes to 90 years old and above. He he doesn't care about the age. You you have a great impact on the kingdom, no matter your economic background or what whatever type of limitation the world wants to put on you. Top father he says he don't care. You know he wants to use you, um, so it's time for us to knock the hinges off that door. Just limited us, and we got to go through the door, knowing that our Father, um, has eternal salvation uh, with uh, our friends, our family, our neighbors, our, our co-workers. Second uh, Corinthians two four says, "Go, we, we thank our Father who always leads us as captives." In Christ's triumphant process, that uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere, you know. So that's what we're trying to do. And there are those, you know, who are traditions and experience. They give them a perception of the Father that is not not really that good. And it's kind of like a, a, a small percentage, you know, but. We had to bring them, and even ourselves, you know, we must come to a knowledge that our Father desires to make himself real in every situation and every circumstance. Um, and that
0: not only that
1: he uh, He um, knows what they're going through, but but he himself, he empathizes with us, you know, in every situation and circumstance. He was formed, verse 15 through 16 says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who is tempted and every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us approach the throne of grace of our Father with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And once we come to this revelation, to this understanding, that our vantage point, you know, what it can be, getting a change. Once we look to what? Not ourselves, but to the hill. The solution to your problems will manifest themselves. You know, uh, Psalms chapter 121, verse 1, I will lift up my eyes into the hills from where my help cometh. He's coming, y'all. He's here. He's waiting waiting for a solution in his way. You know, Um, and that's uh, the looking involves like a, a specific action, you know, that we must take. You know, just like the the father was anxiously waiting for the prodigal son, the prodigal son had to, had to take his step. The father was already there waiting for him to claim his place and his position. <clears throat> and we have people that, um, of course, they, they need to say, well, we need uh, situational salvation. We need healing, peace, salvation, deliverance, you know, um, the, the manifest in our lives, you know. And <clears throat> we need to do this. As a uh, church and as believers, you know. And me myself just talking off the top of my head without knowing your background or where you are, you know what, there's, with me, really, there's no specific guidance I can offer you. It's like sometimes it's like this is a 12 step program or three step program. Um, depending on where you are, it's going to be different. However, one thing I can share with you is that, uh, to acknowledge that there's a door that you must walk through, and you can't just merely just uh, just kind of wait for something to happen, but you have to look through it, and you do this by studying a word, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, you know. And for you, it might be in the morning, it might be in the afternoon, it might be during your break, you know. For a long time, me myself, I searched for this door. I was looking for it. And uh I didn't really know where to find it, but amazing, amazing thing happened, you know. amazing thing happened, and I began to pray. I began to fast. And the door, the door, you know, guess what? The door was right there. It was right in the place, in a room. I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to go to no church. The door was right there, you know, and I'm speaking of, like a, a spiritual door, was speaking of the presence of our Father. Um, and this is something that we have to seek. Um, and you can just say something like, Father, I, I'm here. I thank you for everything you've already done in my life. And I, Father, I ask that you open my eyes so I can understand. Oh, Father, that, that's something like what I was I was just praying, you know, that, that's something like <clears throat> what you can do to pray, that, that he would give you an understanding of where you are, your identity, so that uh, you can manifest your destiny so you can walk through the door like Martin Luther and all the other, the great John Wesley, um, William J. Seymour, all the the, uh, other great men and guys that we uh, know from history, and even whatever your name is, you know, that uh, you will walk through that door. Um, So that... That is the end of uh, knowing your identity. I hope you were able, I know we covered a lot. But I hope you were able to get something from it. <clears throat> Feel free to go read it and pause it and play it and meditate on, on some of the scriptures that I mentioned. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to continue to stay in the Word and study. In. Um, actually, I might have a, a special guest next week. I'm I'm not sure. Um but either way if we don't we'll be we'll be continue because we still have a few more chapters to get through. Um, if again if you want the book, Manifest Destiny Path Towards Wisdom, you can purchase it on Amazon.com. It's the ebook there and it's the physical book. Or you can email me at D-R-M-E-R-E. J-A-Y at gmail.com that's D-R-M-E-R-E J-A-Y at gmail.com and I will mail you a physical copy um, free of charge and if you don't remember my email you can just go to my webpage J-A-M-E-R-E dot org uh, Dorothy are you there? Yes I'm still here Alright
0: great um, you know, you said something that intrigued me, something that I've been trying to get across to people who get snared into that doom and gloom mindset of the end times. Is even though there are certain things that are might be considered negative by the human flesh during these end times, a father is still going to be working on bringing in his harvest, you know, yes. and unfortunately we human beings don't always turn to God when things are all easy peasy and nice, you know? Sometimes we need a little hardship to to get our heads in gear. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of the things, the, I think the harvest and some of the, uh, uh, the tribulation is going to be happening concurrently. It's not either or. It's not going to be all bad or all good. It's going to be both what was the name of that book that started out with? It was The Best of Times and It Was the Worst of Times.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember The that. Tale of Two <laughs> Kittens.
0: That's what it was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had to read that in school.
0: Yes, we did. I was going to say that, you know. Um, but, yeah, I just, the, the, the way they started that book was very good it, and it's very appropriate, I think, for these end times. And instead of, Focusing on what the enemy is up to and causing all this commotion. If we focus on what God is doing and what he wants done, like the harvest. for He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants to save everybody. And uh, if we focus on that and our part in that, then we're going to be good to go, I think.
1: Yes, um, actually, when he was talking, it was the scriptures uh, Isaiah 60 verse one, and it says uh, it talks about a gross darkness covers a nation, and a gross darkness covers the whole, whole earth. But it talks about a rise and shine because it just starts talking about the yeah, glory of the Lord coming. So even though there's a whole lot of bad and terrible things happening in the midst of all the darkness and chaos. There is there is hope, and uh, the hope in this cloud, of course, is Christ in us, the hope of glory. that He's using us to tear down the kingdom. That's why the enemy is coming against us in our health and our finances, because he, he knows our purpose and in place for these end times, but he doesn't want to realize our identity and purpose. So he can keep us down, keep us beat up, and discouraged, and thinking that we're going to be on a run, but really... We're going to be doing great exploits. And that's one of the things he was trying to hide. hide. <laughs> but it can no longer
0: be a <laughs> Right, exactly. And you'd think after a while he'd understand how stubborn we are to, you know, do Father's will. But he doesn't. He doesn't just doesn't get it. So yeah. even though we're told he's very smart and wily, sometimes I think he's not too bright. You know?
1: No, I know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, okay, well, let me call it the prayer. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. And I'll um, speak a blessing over everyone. Father, we thank you for your love, and thank you for your grace, thank you for forgiving us of our sins, Father. Help us, O oh God, Lord, to pursue you, O oh, Father, to stir, stir, stir ourselves up, oh Father, Lord, help us to stir ourselves up, to, um, to dedicate our lives to you every single way, Father, Lord, in the dark places, O oh, God, where no one is watching, oh Father, when everyone is watching. Let us always desire to put you on a display to glorify your name, O oh, Father, to lift you up, even in our dreams, O oh, God, at nighttime. Let us have a spirit of worship, O oh, Father, protect all those, Father, Lord, who are listening, protect them, God, who are hurt, harm, and danger. I'll plead the blood of Jesus over them and everything connected with them. Let them have to travel, let no harm come to their vehicles or houses, their jobs, or their bodies. Um, and we pray for for salvation for whoever they're praying for, for salvation. We just come into agreement that that person will see something on television or they will, a pamphlet will come by or something will come to remembrance. And they would uh, confess you as your Lord and Savior. And in my name of Jesus, we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Jameer. That was a good lesson.
1: Amen. So. I thank the Father. <laughs> I thank the Father.
0: Yeah, it's like once you know who you are, what he put you here for, it kind of gives you well, for myself, I can only speak for myself, I guess. But it gives you the courage to at least strive for what he wants you to be, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it helps you put put away the foolish things that you might be thinking is very important, but it's, it's not. It's not. But, yeah. So,
0: hopefully, I'm looking
1: forward to everyone with um, powerful testimonies and great exploits.
0: Yes. <laughs> all right. So all right. I shall say okay. good night and Father bless everyone. Have a blessed week. And grow in the knowledge of who you are in Christ. And it's pretty, it, it's not that we're all that because of us, but we're all that because of him. And that's kind of cool. Yes. <laughs> good night, Jameer.
1: Good night.